All right, so let's get into our message. Um, hey, it is really good to see you. It is the first Sunday after Labor Day. Uh, the state fair's over. Summer vacations are wrapping up. Anybody know that NFL like starts? I don't like see some jerseys. Usually, it's the early game when folks wear their Vikings and their Packers jersey. Anybody got some cheering, uh, rooting things in there today? Um, you know, students are starting back in school, getting into these new rhythms for life and family, all of that. Uh, the start of fall is often also a fresh opportunity to think and to make decisions about what we want life to look like. I know for myself, uh, there's probably two times of the year, September and January, where I spend a little bit more time being reflective in those ways. I'm thinking like, what am I really want my life to be about, and how do I set a- aside this next season of life to go at that? So with that in mind, uh, I'm glad that we get to fit one more message into this sermon series that we've been doing called Questions Jesus Asked. Uh, We began this series back in July by looking at the very first question that Jesus asked in the Gospel of John. It's this question, what do you want? Why don't you listen again to how author Kurt Thompson frames the importance of this question. He writes, to consider and answer Jesus' question in John 1, 38, what do you want? is a life-altering practice, for it opens up our minds to the reality that Jesus is keenly interested in what we want, our desire. In fact, the question lies at the center of the triune God in whose image that we have been made. So week after week in this series, over these last two months, we've been studying different questions that Jesus asked, and even how Jesus would use a question to answer a question that somebody asked him. Okay, and it's all towards the goal of getting us to think and to respond more deeply than we typically would. So to close up this series of messages today, I want to put this before you. What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Now, that exact question never shows up in the gospel accounts, but it's inferred in so many of the stories that Jesus told. It's particularly true about the passage that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6, um, and so why don't you grab a Bible. Uh, if you're here in person, you can grab a Bible in front of you. We're on page 704. Uh, turn to your uh, favorite device, or uh, if you've got a Bible of your own. While you're finding that, let me uh, set the stage for our passage that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, Luke 6 uh, includes and contains a shortened summary of material found in what's called the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus teaches about what life in the kingdom of God uh, is like. And in both Matthew's gospel and here in Luke, uh, that section concludes with Jesus utilizing a vivid word picture, along with yet another pointed question. Okay, so we're going to look at Luke chapter 6, 46 uh, to 49, where Jesus says this. Uh, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Okay, here's the specific question that Jesus does ask uh, in today's passage. He asks the question, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? 
How does that question strike you? Okay. There's a number of different ways that we could take that in. Um, and actually, I want to look at two this morning. There's two different ways that we can uh, consider this question. The first one is we can think about this as a confrontational question. Secondly, we can think about this as a curious question. And I think both have real benefits. And so let's take a few moments uh, to look at each of those angles. First, it's worth considering this as a confrontational question where Jesus is challenging, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? He's saying this is not right. It's not okay. As Michael touched on a couple weeks ago, this word Lord is the Greek word kyrios. It's the same title originally used for Caesar, signifying the one with ultimate authority. And so from this angle, this question is a strategic confrontation, pointing out that it is an oxymoron to call Jesus Lord and not do what he says. It's a wake-up call. And maybe think about it this way. Um, uh, do you remember instances as a kid where your mom called you out and, uh, and where it included using your middle name, right? Brian William Brinker, what in the world were you thinking? I, that was kind of loud, wasn't it? <laughs> um, now, mom wasn't actually looking for an answer in that moment, was she? No, she was like trying to get your attention. She's saying like, wow, wake up. This is not the way things are supposed to be. This is not how we operate as a family. And so when the middle name came out, you knew that mom was serious. Similarly, I think there is a benefit to considering this question from Jesus in this particular way. Because it challenges us to have a particular kind of relationship uh, with him. Now, as much as Jesus has like really great spiritual insights, uh, that kind of thing, he is so much more than a spiritual advisor or even just a profound teacher. Now, the writers of the New Testament consistently refer to him as the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, Kyrios, the Lord and ruler. Christos, the anointed messianic king. Every other aspect of our relationship with Jesus comes after understanding and experiencing him as Lord and King and Savior. We need to yield to him. He is the one that calls the shots. He is the one that is leading the charge. And there is a tenacity in Jesus that he will not let us settle for anything less than that kind of relationship. Okay, two related thoughts. First of all, we all have gaps between what we say and what we do. None of us gets a pass on this. Uh, you know, even the Apostle Paul, uh, one of the most devoted followers of Jesus that's ever lived, said this. He said, I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do, I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Have you ever read that before? It's Romans 7.15. It's an amazing part of the book of Romans where Paul, one of the most faithful, godly men that's ever lived, basically says, I've got gaps in my life. <laughs> what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I end up doing. And we're all in the same boat. Okay, so we all have gaps. And secondly, it's for our good. It's for our good that Jesus confronts those gaps. Here at the Vineyard, uh, we have a program uh, we run called Emotionally Focused, previously known as uh, Faith Walking. And uh, in Mostly Focus, we use this term integrity gaps uh, to describe the distance between what we say and what we do. 
Now, when you hear the word integrity, you might immediately think of that kind of in a moral sense, which uh, that's one primary definition of that word. Uh, but that word is also used in other settings, particularly in engineering or construction, as in, does this bridge have the structural integrity to bear the load that will be placed on it? I'll throw a photo up here. Um, you folks remember this? Remember this? 15 years ago. I-35 bridge collapse. Isn't that amazing? That was 15 years ago, 2007. 15 years ago, I-35 bridge collapsed in Minneapolis. A sad fact about this event was that 11 months before the collapse, engineers were concerned about the bridge, but they didn't alert the Minnesota DOT. After an initial set of calculations failed, the lead engineer used a different, previously unused set of calculations that helped the bridge pass inspection. But the truth was, uh, the bridge's steel gusset plates were insufficient, inadequate to support the increasing load it was bearing. And so the bridge collapsed, it failed. What was needed in this situation? For the engineer to cry out, like sound the alarm, something's not right, this is not good, something has to be done, otherwise there's gonna be Real ruin here. Friends, that's exactly what Jesus does with us and why he points out our integrity gaps. He highlights the distance between what we say and what we do, and it's for our good that he confronts us in that way. Okay, that's one angle to consider with this question. How about the second one? Taking this in as a curious question. So we've got a confrontational question, a curious question, and here's the follow-up that I'd give you on this. What if, what if Jesus, if this is a question that he'd actually like you to answer, to ask it in a curious way, as in, why is it that you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? What's behind that? What's, what's contributing to that? You know, as we touched on this sermon series, Jesus often asks questions to get below the surface in our lives. And so I think considering this as a curious question does that for us. I think about this for the moment. This week, what kind of conversation could you have with Jesus if you sat with us for a little bit and you gave him your best, bold, reflective answer? Why is it? <laughs> Why is it that there's a gap between what I say or what I think and what I'm actually living? What's behind that? What's going on? in me. Now, for some of you, that answer to that question is pretty clear in your mind, and you just like have to dive in. Like, it's like, oh yeah, that's where it is. I need to commit myself to this and go at it. But for others, it might feel a little more murky. You know, maybe you've never thought about the gap between what you do and what you say, or what you say and what you do in that way before. Or maybe you've never taken the time and energy to explore the why behind uh, the actions to that depth. Whatever that case is, like having this kind of dialogue with Jesus about this curious question could be incredibly beneficial to you. You know, maybe you'll notice events, maybe experiences from your past that are influencing you in this present season. You might uncover some fears uh, that shape how you interact with God uh, and others. Or consider this, are there beliefs, are there beliefs maybe that you've had or lies that you've internalized that are actually working against you, stepping into the full, vibrant life that Jesus wants for you. Man, this is hard work. 
to chew on that and to take that in and to try and give Jesus your best answer. But it is so, so worth it. And thankfully, like, there are so many tools that can help us uh, have these kinds of curious conversations with Jesus and move towards change. You know, Mostly Focused is one of those. We've got an intensive on that coming up later this fall. Uh, similarly, over the past decade, I've been helped tremendously by working with a coach and with a spiritual director and how so often their pointed questions help me to think and to pray and to process more deeply what is Jesus actually doing in my life. You know, meeting regularly with an accountability partner or what John and Steph were talking about with small groups, having a healthy small group, you know, are all other great outlets to engage in this curious work. Any of those pursuits, any of those tools can help foster this change in our lives. And here's where that leads. As we are experiencing that transformation, as we're transformed by Jesus, we can increasingly close those integrity gaps. Again, as I mentioned before, John and Steph were talking about this earlier. Fall is a great time to reevaluate your life, your schedule, your priorities. And so as I listed off, you know, even just some of those different options, you might have been getting the holy elbow that John was mentioning. You know, just like, oh, that one is for you. This is a step for you to take right now, this fall, as you reevaluate, as you reorganize what your life is going to be about. Here's a way that you can work to close up those integrity gaps. Give God your yes. Don't ignore that and see what kind of transformation um, can unfold for you. Okay, that's just the first verse uh, that we're looking at this morning. Let's keep moving forward. Here's the next item that we find uh, in the scripture. We see that Jesus puts a series of choices in front of us. We get to choose. We get to choose. First, there is the choice between building on a solid or an unstable uh, foundation. I love how Jesus spun his background as a carpenter into an illustration about what life is meant to be. You know, we have a choice between what kind of life. We've got a choice about what kind of life that we want to build. And secondly, Jesus gives us the choice uh, between being wise and foolish. You know, those specific words don't show up in Luke chapter 6, but they do appear in another instance of Jesus using this illustration. That's back in Matthew chapter 7. Let's go ahead and read this aloud together. I love reading scripture out loud. Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Let's read this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." So from these two passages, uh, let's look closer at the contrast between a wise person and a foolish person. A wise person builds with a solid foundation on bedrock, but a foolish person builds either without a foundation or on shifting sand. This is so important. Like what we build our lives on matters. See, there's so much in our world today. Like folks can be completely sincere well-intentioned, but if what you're building your life on 
does not have substance, if the building, you know, what you're building upon is shaky, it is not going to hold up. Next, a wise person digs deep. Just like the basement of a house is mostly below ground, and the footings of a skyscraper or, you know, a big building like the new hospital that's going up right now, you know, all of those footings are out of sight. The work of building a wise life largely takes place under the surface. It takes consistent, kind of behind-the-scenes work to construct a life of lasting significance. In contrast, a fool will often take shortcuts. You know, they'll say, ah, it's probably okay, yeah, that might be wrong, but ah, yeah, I'll do it later. I mean, those kinds of things. Like, they just push that stuff to the side and don't really take in what's the lasting impact of the choices that they make. And finally, a wise person is able to stay resilient even in the storms of life. Now, you still have Luke 6 open in front of you there. Luke 6 uses this vivid word, the word torrent. This is not a light rain. A torrent is a raging flood out of the banks, taking out anything in its way that's not uh, secure. Now think about the comparison again in this passage, and you can see that with the houses up on the screen. Verse 49 talks about how when the torrent struck the house without a foundation, it collapsed and the destruction was complete. Another translation puts it this way, that, that it collapsed in a heap of ruins. In contrast, the wise builder. Verse 48 describes the house that was built on the rock, and when the torrent struck that house, the house weathered that storm, and it stood firm. Now, Jesus first used this illustration 2,000 years ago. Isn't it amazing how it has staying power? You know, 2,000 years between, and this still speaks to us today. I mean, even think about all of the turmoil, all the chaos that's gone on in our world over the last few years. Haven't we seen these two scenarios play out where, like, pressures come, torrents of life come, and there's ways that that has just taken out, folks, and ways that we've seen that those torrents have come at other folks, but they've had a foundation, and they've been able to sustain that. It's sobering, sobering to consider the results of these two paths, but it also pushes us towards these choices before us. And the main one, again, is what I put before you earlier this morning. What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? You get to choose. You know, certainly, there are other factors in play. There's obstacles to overcome. There's complexities to navigate. But this is still a choice that you get to make. You know, you don't get to choose what things come your way in a lot of fashions. But you get to choose how you respond to that. You get to choose what kind of heart that you want to have. You get to choose the different ways that you approach life and the storms of life. You know, what do you want life to be about? What's going to be the most important thing for you? What kind of person do you want to become? Tell you the story. Um, just yesterday, I was finishing up my, uh, uh, my sermon notes, and uh, I took a break to mow my lawn. And as I walked back and forth, mowing my lawn for a couple hours there, um, I sensed God challenging me to answer the question that I just put before you. And so I started with, okay, well, God, um, what kind of person do I want to be? 
Uh, well, I want to be wise and not foolish. I want to uh, have a solid foundation, not a shaky one. And it was almost like God laughed at me like, okay, <laughs> that's a good place to start, Brian, but dig deeper. Okay, like what does that actually mean for you in your life? Okay, and so again, for two hours, I'm pushing my lawnmower back and forth. You guys pray when you mow, when you do different things like that. It's a great spot to have time with God. Uh, so about two hours, I pondered and I prayed and I tried to do what I'm telling you to do, to give God my best reflective answers. Now, some were easier, you know, as I thought about um, who I want to be as a dad, uh, who I want to be as a husband, you know, maybe what kind of friend or a neighbor that I'd like to be. But then there were other harder items, you know, like I want to be a person that instinctively loves those that I disagree with <laughs> rather than quickly judges them. You know, I want to be a person that doesn't get defensive when I'm criticized. I spent quite a bit of time talking to God about, God, I want to be someone that surrenders control to you <laughs> versus holding on uh, to it. As I got in touch with some of those deeper answers, here's what I also became aware of. I became aware more clearly about the gap between what I wanted and what I was currently living. Like I said, I mean, all of us have this, right? Me included. We all have a gap between what we desire, what we're shooting for, what we say, and what we're currently able to live out, okay? But God meets us in the middle of that. I remembered one of the things that John said last week in his message, one of his big takeaways from his sabbatical was embracing the parallel truths that we are at the same time more deeply flawed than we ever would realize, and we are more profoundly loved than we ever could imagine. Folks, that's what happens as we do this hard, under the surface, dig deeper kind of work. Yes, we are confronted with our own brokenness. It is more profound. <laughs> it is deeper than we'd like to admit. But in the very same sense, and overwhelmingly more, is the profound love of God. The love of God that sent Jesus to the cross to die for your sins and for mine to be raised from the dead so that we could experience new life. This is the God who will stop at nothing. He'll do anything to help us to become who we're meant to be, transformed into the image of Jesus. So as you explore the question, like, what do you really want? What kind of person do you want to become? I think you're going to experience some of the same things. You're going to see some of the gaps between where you are and where you want to be. But that is the exact spot where God meets you. It's in that in-between place that some of the richest aspects of relationship with God can actually occur. Okay, so here's my challenge for you. What if you made the commitment right now to take some dedicated time this week to dig deeper into these kinds of questions? You know, you can start where I started. Like, do I want to be a wise person or a foolish person? Do I want to build on a stable foundation or a shaky one? But then dig deeper. You know, dig deeper about what that can mean in different areas of life. And like it did for me, you're probably going to see some of your gaps. But you're also going to have a fresh opportunity to experience God's love and his power transforming you. I encourage you to take that step this week and see what kind of interactions might open up for you with God.
Okay, we got one last section uh, to cover um, before we're done. And it actually adds a, a practical, um, helpful layer to what we're talking about this morning. You may have actually missed this the first time around, but in Luke 6, Jesus highlights three actions that help build a wise and resilient life. Take a peek again at verse 47, where Jesus says, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. Jesus is saying, here's what a wise person looks like. There's someone who comes to me that hears my words and then puts them into practice. And for its value, I mean, that almost sounds too simple, right? Uh, but these three actions are at the heart of what it means to live as a follower of Jesus. In every area of our life, any situation, we can turn to Jesus. We turn from doing things our own way, and we turn to him instead. And that's what it looks like to repent. We use this word repentance. We turn around. We turn from ourselves. We turn to him. We let go of control, and we yield to him, to Jesus as Lord and King. Also, in every area of life, any situation, we do our best to listen to Jesus. Now, there's a myriad of voices that we could give our attention to in our day and age, but what we want to do is choose to give our ear to Jesus. Like he is the loudest voice in our life. He is the first one that we turn to. I'm saying, Jesus, I want to know what you think. There's so many different things that we can listen to. Jesus, I want to know what you think. We open up to God's truth. And in every area of life, any situation, we try to practice what Jesus said. Becoming a wise, resilient person doesn't happen overnight. It's certainly not automatic. We've got to practice what Jesus says. Again, you see those up on the screen. They almost sound too simple. Uh, so much so, uh, I was uh, doing some of my last prep, and I thought about changing this last part of my message. You know, so you can see I didn't change it. One, because I thought it's probably not a good idea to censor Jesus, because this is what he said. Um, but secondly, um, you know, here's what I came to. These three actions, they summarize so much of what it looks like to live day to day as a Christian. You know, for example, I thought about a friend I've been doing some mentoring with recently. This is the exact path that my friend is on. He's been turning from some unhealthy patterns of relationship and turning to Jesus. It's repenting, right? <laughs> right? He's been experiencing God's forgiveness and freedom from shame in the midst of that turning. We've been reading the book of Romans together. And so week by week, we've been taking in God's truth and listening for God's voice in Scripture, and then been trying to put it into practice. And it's been so encouraging to see uh, the growth that's happening in my friend. The gaps in his life are closing increasingly. Those things are getting closer and closer together as he's finding real joy and purpose in relationship with Christ. I also thought about parenting, something I touched on um, when I preached a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, parents, don't we want our kids to have a solid foundation for life? And one that's characterized by the security of God's love and our love for them. You know, that, that, that has that tangible reality of God's presence, the truth of Scripture. Like, those are the things that undergird our kids, whether they're little ones or adults, everything in between. And so this process of turning to Jesus, praying a lot. Holy cow, being a parent is so good for your prayer life. <laughs> right? Praying a lot. And then trying to follow the direction that God gives you, that's the nuts and bolts of what it's like to be 
a wise parent. Another example, a few days ago, I had breakfast with a group of guys I meet with regularly. And uh, even though we've got different professions, uh, we've got different leadership responsibilities, a common thread for us is that we each have a desire to try and put Jesus in the center of all of that. And so for our meetings, as we're hanging out, we're having some coffee, we're having some breakfast, you know, they're filled with rich conversations that point us back to trying to listen to Jesus center on Jesus, and engaging in what I'm talking about with this under-the-surface, behind-the-scenes kind of work deep within us that's required so that we can become the kind of men and the kind of leaders that God's created us to be. Or think about um, some friends, dear friends, that have experienced significant losses in recent seasons, whether that's you know, having someone die that's close to them or other types of life-shaking losses. How does someone maintain resiliency in the midst of that kind of grief? It's by doing these things over and over and over again, right? It's not rocket science, but it isn't easy. <laughs> we just have to continue to go at it over and over and over again, going at these bases. I got about four, five, six more comments, but you guys get the point, right? Okay, like this is incredibly straightforward, and yet, like, it applies to every single area of our lives. So we work this out. These three actions aren't fancy, but they are foundational. So again, you can apply them to any area of your life, any situation that you face. And I believe that God will use them to shape you into more and more of a wise person. God will use this process to close that distance between what you say and what you do. You'll be building a foundation for life that helps you to stay resilient even in the fiercest storms that might come your way. So again, we turn to Jesus, we try and listen to Jesus, and we try and practice what Jesus says. Just a couple other notes on that before we head into ministry time. Um, uh, I love John's message last week. Man, if you didn't have a chance to listen to that, um, go online uh, there. And two things in particular that John said last week um, felt like they intersected with this last part about practicing. Uh, first of all, John quoted uh, one of his uh, 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 favorite uh, 16, 17-year-old uh, philosophers, his uh, son Paul, uh, <laughs> who said this from his, uh, his soccer uh, uh, wisdom. He says, we don't rise to the occasion. We sink to the level of our training. That's something that he was learning in the midst of doing soccer. That's really true. Like, this is what life looks like. We don't rise to the occasion. We actually settle in to where we have trained our lives. This is where this practice comes in, that we have to just work it. You know, receiving this gift of transformation, like, is not something we earn, but it is something that we give our effort towards. And so we want to go at intentional training. Another thing that John said is that so much of our maturing as followers of Jesus is about us just acting on the things that we already know. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Like we can gather so much information, but if that doesn't match with obedience, and that gap, if it keeps getting bigger and bigger, that becomes more and more of a problem. Like that integrity gap, like the more that we'll tend to fall into this pile of ruin. So we want to put that into practice. So again, as you look ahead to this week, here's two final challenges I'll give you. Make the commitment to practice. I love even this way I put this, like practice 
what Jesus said. If you're going to practice the piano or, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you're going to learn a different skill, it's like you're going at that in an intentional way. It's part of making the choice of the kind of person that you want to be. Again, it's going to take time and effort, uh, but it will pay off. Along with that commitment, I want to encourage you to give yourself some grace. You're not going to be perfect at this. That's why we call it practice. And so you can work this so that as you step into more and more of the situations in life, that you're growing in that. Uh, I've been, over the last 10, 12 years, uh, I've been intermittently trying to learn Spanish. My wife's fluent in Spanish, um, and I've just had a desire to do that. We've traveled to Mexico and, and different things. And one of the things that Andrea tells me regularly is, says, Brian, you have to speak bad Spanish before you can speak good Spanish. <laughs> You gotta practice. You gotta put yourself out there and to like do it, you know, and to be willing to to throw it out there, okay? And so, you know, so much of this is that we have to give ourselves grace uh, that we need to practice this. This is a big part of what it means to be part of the church together. You know, here at the vineyard, we are willing to teach anybody, anyone who will submit themselves to Jesus as Lord and King. We're willing to teach you how to do everything that Jesus said to do. We're going to practice this together. We are in this with you. God's in this with you. And man, what an adventure that we get to submit to him, go at this together, and then see what he's going to do. Why don't you go ahead and stand up? And I'd love to take some time to pray for us and to invite you to respond to whatever God might be doing uh, in your life. So God, thank you. Thank you again. Um, not only for today, but God, it just seems worth recognizing. Uh, this has been a really fun journey over the last couple months to go at all these questions uh, that Jesus asked in the scriptures. And Lord, even right in this moment, um, God, would you just dial back up for us, um, for a number of people, what have been some of these key touch points over these last couple months, and just being able to revisit those. And maybe starting with the question, what do you really want? Or what I'm talking about today, God. Answering the question, what kind of person do you want to be? Holy Spirit, would you just settle on our hearts and give us the time and the space to, to not just opt for the easy answer, <laughs> but to really dig deep. And say, God, this, this is who I want to be. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> help me, God. Yeah, Spirit, would you come? Would you come now? And you might be having a specific area in your life or a situation where you want to apply what we're talking about this morning or you see even that gap between what you want, what you say, and what you've currently been living out. Again, friends, I just encourage you, like that space in between is where God meets us. That transforming work. That's where the grace of God, the power of God gets unleashed. Like we talked about in communion earlier, God knows like none of us hit the standard on our own. That's why he sent Jesus. So we could experience his grace. We could experience his love. We could experience his power. We can be transformed from the inside out. Yeah, so God, would you just give us a courage, a boldness, 
to hear from you, God, and to respond. If you're on our ministry team, why don't you start to make your way up? Uh, we're going to pray for one another and uh, really take time uh, to, to dig deeper uh, into this. Um, it'd be really easy uh, to sit here and think, oh, that's some really good stuff to ponder. And even if you don't necessarily have like, some clarity about some kind of initial response, that could be a very good thing to come up and get prayed for. <laughs> Say, I'm not quite sure what I need yet, but would you pray for me and uh, let's see what God might do. You know, beyond what we're talking about this morning, maybe you came in this morning and there are just some other burdens that you're carrying. Like you just know, man, like I don't know <laughs> if the structure of my life can bear the weight of what's coming uh, towards me. And so you can just bring those really practical needs, those practical pressures um, before the Lord and say, God, would you help? You know, whether that's in, in your marriage, in, with your kids, in your finances, whatever that might be. Maybe you need physical healing today. God can meet you uh, in the middle of those things. Team's going to lead us in some more worship. Um, that's also a great spot for God to just saturate your heart. Uh, let's go ahead and just give our all back to God in worship. Let's pray for one another. Uh, let's go at this journey together and see what God's going to do. Thanks so much for being here at the Vineyard today.